live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on all our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Click follow, subscribe, do the thing. Also check out the Parlay Points blog section where you have a lot of stuff dropping this week. The T Public Store, the Classified section, the Directory, anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. But kicking off this edition, and man, we got a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. There was a certain show that finally made its dramatic debut on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Some people have been looking forward to it. Some have been uh, passing it by for reasons. Stupidity. <laughs> I was waiting to see Pat's reaction to that. And that show is the one and only Kenobi. Uh-huh. The Star Wars spinoff featuring Ewan McGregor reprising his role as the one and only Obi-Wan Kenobi has had so much hype behind it. Uh-huh. That it kind of shut down social media for a quick second. Well, and also the fact that, you know, it was launching on the weekend that was Star Wars Celebration, which we'll get to next segment. But then also they decided to have a screener for the first two episodes at Celebration, which made sense. But then also they turned around and went, oh, hey, by the way, instead of having to wait till midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, we're going to drop them both at midnight Eastern, to which the entire Internet went, oh, shit. Well, it's a smart move because obviously they were competing with Netflix Stranger Things 4 season, Mm -hmm. which we will get to next week uh, because I'm still catching up on that. So I've got to be honest with you. A little peek behind the curtain. Because obviously this week was so heavy with Star Wars that we needed to really kind of focus in on not one, not two, but three. Count them. Three episodes of this new series. Which is, as of this recording, the most watched original premiere in Disney Plus history. Which, uh-huh. which you know, it's not much. It's not that many there, but it's the most watched show for the opening weekend the show has come out. Well, let's be honest with this. We knew when Ewan McGregor was reprising his role that this was going to be a must-watch show because, obviously, who's involved? Uh-huh. Plus, they also connected Hayden Christensen oh, yeah. with this, reprising his role as Anakin, a.k.a. Darth Vader. Uh-huh. So when you're bringing in those A-level movie stars, and obviously in the Star Wars universe, both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are A-level superstars. Mm-hmm. Household you, names. You're going to bring in all fans of the the franchise, plus pop culture is tuning in to, to find out what the oh, yeah. is about. Oh, yeah. So this was a very big deal, and I'm not surprised that this debuted as high as it did. I think the only thing would have been that would have been bigger if they had Mark Hamill on oh, yeah. and they announced him like, or Harrison Ford right. coming back for reasons. Like if you had somebody like that in, then I think it would have been even bigger, but they really want to make sure that with handling this property and making sure that it met the fan base's approval, they really went all out for this mm-hmm. and rightfully so. 
So that being said, we are going to be breaking down all three episodes. So if you haven't seen them for whatever reason, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We like to give a countdown after our spoiler-free statement about the show. So once you hear that countdown, if you haven't seen this and you don't want to be spoiled and you're going, oh, go, I got to catch up, I got to catch up, pause the episode right here and then jump back in when you're caught up. Because we go deep dive in and we don't like to stop. But we give you that fair warning first. So, Pad, spoiler-free statement on these three episodes. Uh, I realize it's early and we've only seen three episodes, but this might be my favorite Star Wars piece of media ever. This, All three episodes have been incredible. They're introducing a lot of stuff. Some you catch, some you don't, unless you read the uh, credits at the end of the episode and read who some of the characters' names are. Um, but no, this is, this has been absolutely incredible from start to finish. I like episodes one and two. I thought that they were a good introduction. I wasn't blown away by them. Mm -hmm. I did like them though. So I want to stress that I'm not saying that they were bad. I'm just saying for me, I wasn't blown away. However, I thought episode three was a lot better than what I've seen previously. And I'm fully invested to see where we're going in a galaxy far, far away. That said, Three, two, one. Pad, let's talk that talk. What did you th- really think? No, this this show's really amazing. I've got one gripe with episode two. You know, it, it's been amazing overall. I, you know, I thought it was interesting at the start to do, you know, a three minute recap of the prequels, but hey, needed for some folks. You know, but overall, I thought it's been, I thought it's been really amazing. You know, and and the stuff they've been working in there both subtly and kind of some not so subtly has been very interesting to see into into the folks who kind of moan and groan that the uh, expanded universe is gone and all some of the stuff i grew up reading you know, over the years is gone they're bringing more and more of it back in you know some of it you got to pay attention to the uh credits and who's playing a cer- certain characters and some of it just by picking up on lines and what uh, obi-wan has been saying yeah i thought this was a good intro like i say I wasn't blown away by it because how the first two episodes came across to me, I legit went, oh, we've been here, done that. It was called The Mandalorian. Right. I thought they borrowed a lot from the first season plot. And I was like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. But if once they really got going with the story, and like I said, episode three I thought was very, very good. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was the strongest one because for me – that felt like we maybe were finally going into a different direction, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it was never a case of I was tuned out. Sure. And I was like, okay, this is just a cheap ripoff. Sure. But I thought for all the hype that was involved, I thought maybe my expectations were too high. Maybe. I mean, the, the episode one made sense to me simply because we haven't seen this character and I realize we've seen Clone Wars, but this t- that all takes place before this. You know, we haven't seen Obi-Wan in this point in time ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's been, you know, 17 years or whatever it is, you know, 2005 since we've seen Obi-Wan Kenobi in a, in a live action role. You know, it's been a minute. So obviously you got to do some setup and, do, and especially, the you know, where we are in the story takes place. 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, Order 66. Yeah. You know, you kind of got to explain what he's been doing while he, you know, what's been going on. Because it's not just a simple case of, oh, yeah, he, you know, he beat Anakin, sliced off all of his limbs, 
left him for dead on a lava planet, took his kid, ran off to a desert planet to give it to his uncle, and he's been living hunky-dory ever since, just hanging out, you know, going to the bar and having a drink. Like, you got to do some setup. You got to do some intro. So from that aspect, I understood it. You know, I can understand people's issues with it, though. Yeah, like I say, I thought I thought it was good. Like, I, I'm not hating on it, but I'm just going, okay, I think we were here before. Because, like, as we jump into episode one, we do know the time frame is this is 10 years after Order 66. Mm-hmm. And Which we, they decided to show for the, I want to say it's the fifth time? Yeah, which, you know <laughs> what? I think, though, it's smart because it, it's one thing, and I, I know we're going to talk apples and oranges here. I always know when I go read, like, a Valiant comic, and uh-huh. they do a quick recap page on the opening page for most of the books, I think that's very good for new readers to jump in and get caught up on the story. Okay, this is at least the fourth time we've seen Order 66. I'm counting on my hands. No, that's fair. And I think for coming into a show because of the pop audience that is coming in, because remember, this isn't strictly just for Star Wars fans. People are tuning in for the first time. As crazy as that sounds, that is the case. Because people hear about this, and if you're not super into Star Wars, you're going to hear, okay, all these people are talking about the show. I'm going to go check it out. So I thought that doing the quick recap, even though it might have been a little confusing for some people, mm-hmm. I still think it works, though. And this is where you jump in, and you see Order 66 and everything going on. And then it kind of spins into we go to Tatooine mm-hmm. right from there. So, I mean, obviously you see the Jedi is messing up everybody. They're all messed up. Everything's disheveled, if, I uh-huh. guess you could say. Yeah. And then you do see that on this planet, they're establishing about what Kenobi is doing. Yep. And what is he doing, Pat? Uh, well, he's he's watching over Luke, but he's also, I think, just trying to not lose his sanity. And he's working some sort of day job where, like, I can't quite figure out what the hell it is. Like, it, he, he rides a public transport. You know, he goes off. He does his job. He works his 9 to 5. You know, and then he comes home, which is just, you know, conveniently placed in a hillside near not far from the Lars homestead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's obviously working as in a meat factory of some sort. Something like that, yeah. It's something like that, and he's and he's trying to fly very under the radar, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting what he's doing because obviously his mission is to protect Luke because yep. he knows what's going on. He gave Leia to Senator Organa yep. uh, to protect her yep. uh, after what the transpired with him and Anakin. Yep. So... He has now just been solely focused on his mission, and he's probably one of the most dedicated Jedi's about this because mm-hmm. he's, he's living like on just the borderline of poverty, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, he's living in a cave with some—I guess you could call them—home amenities, but it's not much. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, while this is going on, you do see that some people are coming to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And Pad, who are these people? Uh, those are the Inquisitors. Uh, so these are the folks that were former Jedi, or, for, or there are Force users. Some of them were former Jedi that have fallen to the dark side and fallen under the purview of the Emperor. And you know, Vader's a powerful guy. You know, he's pretty strong. He can't be everywhere though. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and plus, let's face it, you send a stormtrooper to face a Jedi, it's a bit of a one-sided affair. Yeah. You know, so these are the folks that, whenever a rumor or something crops up about a possible Jedi being out in the universe. They're the ones who get sent in to kind of investigate things, figure out if it, is this real, is this fake, and then handle it from there. So we see a ship landing on Tatooine, uh, bringing the Grand Inquisitor, so the obviously Grand Head Guy, uh, and also two other Inquisitor, Inquisitors, one being the fifth brother and the other being the third sister, or better known as Reva. Mm-hmm. So as you see, they're looking for a Jedi mm-hmm. who's named Nari. Yeah, uh, well, we don't find out it's Nari until later. 
they just know they're looking for we just know they're looking for a Jedi on Tatooine and of course you the viewer are going well shit yeah. they're looking for Obi-Wan come to find out no it's this Jedi named Nari yeah so as they're searching for Nari this is now drawing in Obi-Wan's attention because mm-hmm. Nari does track him down at one point asking yeah. for help and you do have that whole kind of Spider-Man-esque moment when the robber is running past Spider-Man yeah. and he doesn't want to get involved and, yeah. you know, what happens. It's also like Luke in The Last Jedi. Yeah, so they're borrowing a little bit of that because Ben is saying he does not want to get involved and he's just basically saying, listen, you need to lay low. You need to disappear because once... once... You, need, you need to go out in the middle because at one point the Jedi shows Obi-Wan his lightsaber. He goes, oh, we need to fight back. And Obi-Wan looks at him and goes... No, you need to go out really far, middle of the desert, and bury him and just live a life. Yes. He's he's just so broken and so disheartened by what happened that you see this Jedi come up to him. He goes, oh, Master Kenobi. And he's so happy and he's so overjoyed to have found somebody, especially someone of the caliber of Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's just looking at him so nervously like, no, I'm Ben. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, and obviously for Nari's situation... He was almost killed uh-huh. by the Grand Inquisitor and Riva, who is being Oof. played masterfully uh-huh. by Moses Ingram. Yeah. She is crushing this role. Yeah. And this is a situation where he he does pull off a, a quick escape. Uh-huh. But this is also where he's kind of building a little tension between the actual Grand Inquisitor and Riva. Yeah, because Riva's got a bit of a short fuse. Yes, because they are just now obsessed about taking care of all Jedi's around. The well, universe. and she's got an obsession with Obi Wan. Yeah, you know because it got brought up a couple of times before they figure out Obi Wan's alive and where he is. That like at one point it gets brought up. Like, listen, stop obsessing over Obi Wan. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's got to be something there that she, you know she's obsessing over him so much. Yeah, and I, I I'm just trying to even think like where that could be from. And then... I know somebody throughout somebody I saw online throughout the fan theory that like you know she was a potential Jedi Padawan that Obi Wan just passed her over and was like, no, I don't want one. Yeah, I mean that could be the case, and you know that'd be some great storytelling. Like I think that that would make a lot of sense mm-hmm. because obviously we see while this is going on on Alderaan, mm-hmm. well, there's something going on because. Yeah. Leia is, you know, obviously dealing with growing up with her adopted parents. Yep. And Senator Bail Organa, who's played by the one only Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Uh, Is, you know, getting ready for a big gala of what's going on. Family's coming over. Family is coming over, so they're definitely trying to look as, you know, top shelf as they can, so to speak. Family coming over, you're cleaning the house, you're tidying up, put those shoes away, clean up your room. Yes, but Leia is not exactly too into this idea. No. And she does a little bit of a disappearing act Mm -hmm. where she's running out in the forest. However, unknown to her and anybody else, there is some people looking for her. Uh And can I just say... God, is she like her father? Yeah. Especially the one scene where it's her and the little droid sit, sitting up against the tree looking at the ships taking off, and she's naming like what kind of ships they are and what class they are. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, she's like her dad. Yes. But she winds up getting kidnapped by Vec Nokru, mm-hmm. who's played by the one only flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> and it's vastly underrated how good of an actor he is, too, uh-huh. by the way. I just want to point that out. You're not wrong. So seeing him come on the screen was definitely cool. And obviously, they're now taking... Uh, lay away mm-hmm. because Reva is pulling all these strings, mm-hmm. which I thought was so interesting about it. Like this might be yeah. my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, is just how much Reva's involved in this mm-hmm. because this made sense to what was we're going to see in a couple more episodes. And while Leia is kidnapped, 
Kenobi is approached by Senator Organa to go find mm-hmm. Leia, and you have to rescue. Mm-hmm. And he really is like against this because he's seen what has happened. He saw that uh, Nari was killed, yeah, and they hung his corpse in the town, which was a little intense. But you know, the the Inquisitor wants to make a statement. They made a statement, pretty much. But this is where Kenobi is like going back and forth and like reliving all his failures, but just basically says. All right, I'm in. Well, yeah, and, and you know he feels bad. And, and you know he and Bale both feel bad. That, like, Bale's pleading with him. Like, listen, you need to you need to go find him. You need to help. You need to do this. And and Obi-Wan's like, no, no, no. And, and Bale's like, listen, I know we fucked up. Like, I know we screwed up, but we have to make this right. Mm-hmm. And also, I love that there was an Instagram account, Star Wars Parallels, that pointed out the shots with the hologram of Bale and his wife and, o- and, and Ewan match up almost perfectly with the ones from A New Hope. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so like you got the shot of the hologram, shot of Ben with almost the exact same facial expe- facial expression. Shot to close-up shot of the hologram, close-up shot of Obi-Wan. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah. The, no, c- the cinematography on this show is incredible. Oh no, the yeah, production value on this thing is top top notch. There's no question about that. But this is where the episode really ends and goes right into episode 2 because when Kenobi is now going to the planet Dayu, mm-hmm. uh, he is walking into a situation that he definitely does not feel comfortable in. No. To say the least. And then, Pad, he runs into a Jedi, so to speak. Well, first he run, first he's walking the streets and he runs into a clone trooper. He's sitting, sitting on a clone trooper, which I know I was talking with some people online and we were, when the episode dropped and we're like, oh, shit, are we, is that who we think it is? Uh, current fan theory is that it's Captain Rex, which mm. fucking hell, give it to me. But no, yeah, the, then he runs into this person on the street who's dealing in some uh, illicit illicit things, drugs. Fun fact, that was Ewan McGregor's daughter. Really? That, yeah. So Did the, not know that. So yeah, the pink-haired girl on the street who's like trying to sell him drugs and then tells him about this Jedi that can help people, that was Ewan McGregor's actual daughter. Uh, but yeah, he goes. He gets told that oh, there's this Jedi that's like helping people. You need the Je- you need the Jedi's help to find who you're looking for. And he goes, oh yes, I I do. I, I need to. And he plays along with it, and he goes and meets this Jedi. Yes. So this Jedi, Haj Estri, mm-hmm. is played by the one and only Kumal Najani, mm-hmm. who we know from Eternals fame, uh-huh. amongst others. A great actor, and he's basically trying to work a deal out with Kenobi about. Getting a location. He's hamming this up, and I love it. Oh, absolutely. He, he completely sold into this, because Kenobi walks in and sees him. He's like, you're not a real Jedi. Yeah. And he, well, he plays he plays him along, and he kind of, like, strings him along and goes, okay, I, I can see through this that, like, you're not who you say you are. Yes. And he plays along with it until it reaches the point where, like, all right, enough's enough. Right. So after the uh, meeting of the mind, so to speak, the business deal, if you will, Haja tells Kenobi this is where Leia is being kept. Mm-hmm. So he knows. He gets the directions. Goes in there and makes a dramatic rescue. Yep. So this is kind of where, like I say, it ties in a little bit about the Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. you obviously it was the same thing with the Mando yeah. going to rescue Grogu. Yeah. It's a big deal to make the escape. So when this escape happens, obviously the Grand Inquisitor and everybody catches wind. Yeah, because I th- like a gunfight between Kenobi and then some like... Because Rava shows up on the planet and puts a bounty on his head. Mm. That, that it's like a bounty large enough that... Nobody can ignore it. That like all, all the like communicators or whatever they are start going off. They see the little wanted poster. They see the dollar amount and they go, uh, "Yes, please." Yeah. So they all go looking after him. 
gunfire ensues. The Inquisitors hear the gunfire and they go, aha, that's where he is. Yes. So it definitely turns into a situation where Leia and Kenobi are on the run. Well, and Leia's running away from him. And this is my one gripe with the episode was this chase sequence just went on for way too goddamn long. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, where Obi-Wan shows up and he goes, oh, I'm, I'm here to save you. Your father sent me. And then her being, you know, a 10-year-old. Things happen, she doesn't believe him, and she takes off. So that was my one gripe with these first two episodes, was that just this chase sequence, I understand it. Way too long, though. It was way too long, plus all the roof jumping that was yeah. going on, too. Yeah. And I'm sorry, the parkour with Reva was annoying as hell. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the one gripe yeah. I got about her in this yeah. show. Yeah. Why? Why? Why did we need this? I mean, and it, it looks cool, but yeah. Yeah, unnecessary completely. So meanwhile, while he's on the rooftop chasing after Leia... Who I mean, we got to give credit to to the young Leah. Yeah, she, v- she's Vivian fucking, Blair. She's fucking sassy. Yeah, oh she she's captured the late Carrie Fisher's essence and perfectly uh-huh. brought it to screen. Uh huh. So you know, obviously, got to shout her out. I mean, as she's running away, though, obviously the these mercenaries on the rooftops too have the same skill level of stormtroopers shooting. Pretty much, yeah. Because nobody can hit anybody. I mean, it's dark. I I understand that, but this is where I I, I have my one gripe about this. When Leia falls off the roof, mm-hmm. because obviously she's running, there's people chasing, she winds up you know, trying to jump and doesn't make it. Obi-Wan has to use the Force. Mm-hmm. Okay? He, str- he struggles, but He's, yeah. He struggles, but he kicks in. So it's you know, like basically you yeah. know, finally getting the batteries working on you know, a flashlight, and then finally he clicks in. They haven't said it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did like what Luke did as we when we met him in The Last Jedi, where Rey goes, oh, you've cut yourself off from the Force. I wouldn't be surprised as if, like, a precautionary measure, Obi-Wan didn't do the same thing. I could see that happening. Because Obi-Wan, a guy of his stature and caliber, look at what he did in the prequels and just how gifted and how powerful he was. Should have been able to catch her, like, drop of a hat, snap of your fingers. But he's like, fuck, I'm an old engine getting started back up again. Yeah. But he does make the dramatic save. But in meanwhile, while he's doing this, mm-hmm. right, he took out one mercenary shooting at him. Yeah. The other one is not shooting at him the entire time. Yeah, I, yeah, I noticed that. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I understand it's TV. I get it, but I'm like, "Yeah, are you for real?" Like, you're just gonna be like, "Hey, well, you know, you, you we'll make it an even playing field." Stop. Yeah. Like, how does he survive in this? And let alone he gets to the ground like, like a teleportation or something. He is down on that ground quicker than he can say Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, oh, come on, people. This is not the way to go. This is <laughs> this is not the way. But they do make their escape, though. Mm-hmm. And he does get a little bit of a help from Hajah, mm. who comes down there and basically says, well, there's another way off this planet, but it's a little tricky. You're going to have to get on a cargo port. Yep. And he's he guides him there, but he's like, listen, I can buy you some time and uh, see what I can do, but I can't do a lot for you. Mm-hmm. So... During this, they have a kind of standoff, and obviously Reva just comes in there and just completely wipes the floor uh-huh. with Hajat. Like, it's not even close. Uh-huh. But during this, she does shake him down for information that realizes that this is Obi-Wan. Uh-huh. And now she tips that information off to who? Some dude in a black suit and a black helmet named Vader. Yep, you just hear the breathing, and it was like, Oh, we just decided to ramp everything up. Uh-huh. Perfectly fine with this. Uh-huh. So now Vader has caught wind that Obi-Wan is here. Uh-huh. And he is going to get involved in the situation. Uh-huh. Because he's got a little bit of a vested interest. Yep. But at the port, though, we do see that 
there is a dramatic escape going on with Kenobi and Leia. Yep. And during this point, too, the Grand Inquisitor is trying to obviously score the win. Mm-hmm. But the thunder is taken away from him by Reva. Yeah. So break this down for us, Pat. She ends up killing him. Yeah. Because she, she's tired of his bullshit. Yeah, she is definitely going completely away from any kind of plan. Mm-hmm. Her plan is, I'm going to do this myself. I don't need you. Yeah. But when she does this, this is the key moment that Kenobi and Leia are allowed to escape mm-hmm. after all this. Yep. And then, obviously, the final shot of this episode is Vader wakes up. Well, yeah, because you got Reva trying to track down Obi-Wan in, like, a, a warehouse type. Yeah, it's in t- the port. You know, and so she goes, she tells, hey, you know, he's alive. And Obi-Wan just kind of shits his pants and goes, Anakin Skywalker, yep. he's he's alive and he's looking for He's coming for you. And so you have that old master con- uh, student connection get reestablished and they sense each other. And there's that awesome shot of uh, Anakin in the back to tank going, mm. oh, going, and he just kind of wakes up, which is awesome. So, and I mean, I can understand why Obi-Wan thought he was dead. He did sever all of his limbs and leave him for dead on the side of a river of fucking lava. Mm. But hey, surprise, he's alive. So now all the parties know everybody's back on the board. See, that's the one thing. Like, Reva's like letting everybody know like the, who's back. Uh-huh. Because once it's tipped off, the Vader awakens uh-huh. and realizes that, yeah, uh, Kenobi's back in here. And then Reva does tip off uh, Obi-Wan that, yeah, Anakin never died. Yeah, which Obi-Wan kind of presumed he did, which is in line with what they did in the old expanded universe. You know, old expanded universe, Obi-Wan thought he was dead because, hey, I cut off his limbs and left him for dead by a river of lava. And then he hears a news report saying otherwise. But, hey, this is uh, equal as uh, shocking. Yeah. It works better than a tweet, folks. So, like I say, Ray yeah. was letting everybody know who's alive. Yeah. And this is how it clicks back in. So, like I say, a little confusing on that point. But you know what? It, it definitely established what we go into for episode three. Mm-hmm. Because now Vader says, give me Kenobi. Yeah, because there's a, there's a job, t- job position open right now. Obviously, Grand Inquisitor. And Vader says, hey. You find him, I'll make it uh, worth your while. Give me a nice little promotion. Yeah, and and goes all out because now there's droids that are looking for him as well. Yeah, the Imperial Pearl droids get sent out. Yeah, and those are kind of a big deal, Pat. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see them uh, when Vader uses them to find Luke in uh, Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of like a quick way to just send stuff out and say, hey, search the planet. We don't have time to look everywhere. Yeah. So while this is going on, we do see that our pair of uh, heroes here are now on the planet Mapazo. Uh, yeah. And they are trying to work out a deal to catch up to Hajaz's rendezvous that he had mm-hmm. allegedly set up for him. But they come to find out that uh, maybe he wasn't on the up and up about that. Yeah, nobody's there. They're not quite sure what the hell's going on. So they do see a transport coming to him, and Obi-Wan's like, oh, we should avoid them because on the way out there, he did see a bunch of like Imperial troopers and Imperial logos. And so he's very nervous because the empire has a strong presence here. Mm-hmm. This transport comes towards him and he's like, Oh, maybe we should avoid him." And Leia's like, no, nah, let's go say hi. Yeah. Cause obviously they're taking their chance. <laughs> and Obi-Wan comes up with the story. He's like, all right, fine. This is your name. This is my name. I'm your father. You're my daughter. And you don't speak. Well, you mean I'm afraid to speak or I just don't have the ability to speak. You don't have the ability to speak. What does she start doing? Talking. Yep. And as they're going with the transport, the driver is basically uh, pro-Empire mm-hmm. and is leading them what appears to be in a somewhat trap. Fun fact, uh, the driver of this transport, I believe the name, man's name was Frick, Frack, something like that, uh, voiced by the one and only Zach Braff. Really? Uh-huh, that was did, Zach Braff. Did not realize that. Yeah. So as they're getting tracked down, 
Riva is now alerted to what's going on. Yep. And obviously things are getting a little bit crazy here because as she's uh, alerting, uh, they do get some unexpected help pad. Yeah. So they get to a, a, a they, they make one stop along the way and there's troopers on the side and, and she, he goes, Oh shit, this ain't good. Maybe we should get out of here. He picks them up and goes, Oh, Hey, what the driver goes, Oh, Hey, what are you out here? Oh, we're, we're looking for a Jedi and, and a little girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is awkward. So they keep going along and they start talking and, and the, uh, Stormtrooper starts asking some questions about who they are, where they're from, what they're doing here. And Obi-Wan's going along with the story. Uh, but then along the way, he slips up, and instead of calling Leia the given name, he's told her, oh, this is what I'm going to call you. He slips up and calls her Leia. And at that point, I was watching the episode, and I went, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. This ain't good. And the Stormtrooper goes, hey, he just called her Leia. And rather than reacting to this, he just kind of sits there. Yeah. And Obi-Wan quickly goes, uh, 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 well, you see, Leia was her mother's name and her mother's no longer with us. And they look so much alike, which, oh boy, this is hitting close to the chest. Yeah. You know, oh, they look so much alike that I sometimes call her by her mother's name. Oh, okay. That seems, that seems acceptable. And they just move along. They get up to another checkpoint, you know, and, and, and Obi-Wan's nervous. They're like, oh, maybe well, you can stop here. You can let us out here. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. I know these guys are just doing a checkpoint. The shit hits the fan fight ensues. Uh, and when a Imperial officer, a female Imperial officer shows up and they really start getting nervous, she kills the stormtroopers there and goes, Hey, I'm here to help you. We need to leave. Yes. So they do get some help and desperately needed it at this time too. Yeah. Indra Varma, who's mm-hmm. playing Italia, yep. uh, is the one who's trying to help them, you know, get off the planet and stay low. And obviously they need this because, well, everybody is now arriving looking for them on this planet. Mm-hmm. So the Inquisitors show up, and who is with them, Pad? The one and only Darth Vader. Uh-huh. Looking scary as all fuck. Yep. So he basically goes Rogue One here and is walking through the town and not afraid to kill some people because he's he basically... He beats the Rogue One scene. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say it. As awesome as that Rogue One scene is, this one might be better because he's while he's simultaneously pulling the one guy up by his freaking scruff of his neck with the Force and choking him... The other the other woman, sister, wife, whatever she is, comes out to try and help him. He throws her against the wall, and while she's just kind of laying there, scared shitless, snaps her neck in the most visceral way I've ever seen done on a television show. Yeah, like, and, and even and even they, if you rewatch the episode, they snap the girl, the woman's neck. They cut to a shot of Rava and one, and I think it was the fifth brother, the mm-hmm. other Inquisitor there, and they've got a look on their face that's like, oh shit, like they're kind of scared. Well, that's the whole thing about Vader is he really made his presence felt. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that questions about like, okay, well, you just seen him in the movies, you know, that's it. You don't realize about how downtime there is when he is just starting out, like mm-hmm. you know, for a Vader year one, so to speak. Kinda, yeah. You know, to see how he emerges and is just really growing in the in the dark side of the Force. Like he's not afraid to cro- cross lines. I mean, this is what makes him such a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. But this does provide a little chance. That Kenobi is saying, okay, listen, Leia's safety is first and foremost. Talia and Leia get away through an under, underground tunnel. Yeah, she's a part. Of, she's a part of like some network that helps people escape the Empire. And there's some fun connections in this tunnel. One of which uh, gets mentioned: uh, Quinlan Voss, who was a Jedi uh, from the books and comics that they brought into Clone Wars. Uh, so that was a fun connection. Also, uh, one of the names on the wall was a gentleman by the name of. Uh, among the names was uh, Valen Halcyon, 
uh, who is named uh, who he gets he changes his name to Halhorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, in old Star Wars canon, uh, he was a Jedi that escaped the purge, had a kid named Corin Horn who joined Luke's Jedi Order in the old Expanded Universe books. So when I say they're bringing in potentially bringing in stuff from the old Expanded Universe in the current canon. Here you go. Yeah, so it's definitely tying in a lot to that canon. Mm-hmm. But as Kenobi tries to be in the distraction, well, Vader sees him. Yep. So we finally have the meeting of old friends. Yeah. And it goes, well, how would you describe it, Pat? A little one-sided. Obi-Wan's a little rusty. He hasn't had to fight anybody probably since he fought Anakin, you know, 10 years ago. So if you're wondering how we got from the jumping flipping you know stuff from the prequels to this well here you go we're i think we're kind of explaining how they got to that point you know obviously Vader can't move as well as he did since he's more machine than men now you know and you've got obi-wan who's rustier than rust you know so it's a little one-sided it's like cm punk coming back to AEW for obi-wan oh shit (laughs) your reaction is priceless god damn so to see him come back yeah this is a one-sided affair and vader literally takes this round one, mm-hmm. takes the fight, and has him basically forced, choked out, and then decides to light him on fire. Yeah. Man, they really did go AEW this week. I did they not did. realize this. They did. Shout out to Eddie Kingston. So while Kenobi is being burnt to death, yeah. Talia comes back for him. Yeah. And she does you know, do a distraction. She blows up some more tanks. There's a bigger fire mm-hmm. and then is able to save Obi-Wan. But Leia is still trying to run. Yep. And obviously this works out so well. Oh, yeah. Because the final shot of this episode is Leia's running and Reva is waiting at the other end. Hi, I'm here to help you. Yep. Yeah. End scene. Yeah. lot to digest with this. Um, Like I said, the third episode I thought was the strongest one. Yeah, so far. Easily. Yeah. I think that we finally got the the ground running. And maybe it's because Vader was there and to really give that sense of, like, eminent danger. Mm-hmm. That, not saying that Reva wasn't doing that already, but... You you know when you throw Vader in this mix that so like, adding some gravity to it. Yeah, exactly. It's not just any throwaway moment. And to see Obi Wan and Vader meet after all those years. Yeah, I mean we got to remember it's been ten years. Ten years. And to see that fight go down and see how one sided it was, and Obi Wan got messed up too. I mean he was mm-hmm. burnt. Oh yeah. There's not exactly like he'll just heal himself next yeah. week. Yeah. No, he's gonna be wearing some scars about this. Oh yeah. I thought they played it off really well. And even with how they're setting up with Reva coming after Leia, too. Yeah. I think that I'm not sure how much longer she's going to be in the series, but I think that she's making the most of the screen time for the character. Oh, absolutely. That's what I mean. Like, no, yeah, yeah. Reva is going to get overshadowed by Vader. Oh, yeah. Now Vader is here. That's oh, yeah. the big heavyweight fight. So I'm saying yeah. this is like, you know, uh, you know, the co main event here. And mm-hmm. I think that. I'm just not sure how much longer the Inquisitors are going to be around before this just goes all into Vader. If there's anything I've learned from Rebels, Jedi Fallen Order, which are two of the main things that I can remember Inquisitors are featured in, uh, the life expectancy of an Inquisitor, not real long. No, definitely not. It's not a long life expectancy. It's not a a good uh, job to get a retirement in. Yeah, because especially with Kenobi being as hurt as he is, I'm not sure how long he's going to last against Reva. Right. But it's not all the realm of thought that you might see Something happened here, and this, this is a big win, and maybe this is what gets him back on the comeback trail. Could be. Either way, thought the episode started started very, like, this was where I thought the show really picked up. Yeah, oh, yeah. That I think the first two episodes were, were good. Yeah. Not great. But it gave me enough hope that going into the rest of the series, like, I'm fully in. Oh, and, yeah. And I think that they're going to do a lot of big things here. 
Final thoughts on this, Pat? Uh, great episode. I know some people are complaining, oh, why is Obi-Wan meeting Leia this soon? Well, I mean, you think back to the original movie when Luke tells her, I'm, you know, I'm here to rescue you. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. She gets excited. She's like, Ben Kenobi? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, this is that introduction. And I almost wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the series, we hear her call, we hear her call him general. Mm-hmm. You know, John, you know, because you think of the hall of the famous hologram, General Kenobi, you know, wouldn't be surprised if we get that moment. But no, overall, the series has been really good. You know, I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm excited to see some of the more some more of the connections, because that's that's been my favorite part of just the connections back to Clone Wars and some of the old expanding universe stuff, because there was even one when uh, Obi-Wan in episode three was talking about. You know, he was referencing his family, mm-hmm. which in the movies was never mentioned. But in a couple of the old, again, old expanded universe books, his family was referenced to, you know, it was brought up and like, oh, I've had visions and memories in this and that. So seeing that was cool. You know, so I, I think I'm mo- most excited for obviously the action and the story, but some more of those connections that connect everything else to this story. Well, they're adding so much to the expanded universe here. Like it, it's a love letter to the fans, which I mean, yeah. And I do appreciate that aspect, too, because when you do those deep dives for the fans that have been there since day one. It's always a, a greater feeling about it. Like, you know, the same thing Marvel does. You mm-hmm. know, there's certain characters, certain moments you see, you're like, okay, I get this. And then, you know, obviously you're bringing in a different audience. You want to make a ber- great first impression. I think that they did that with this show. But I think, though, if you really want to do comparisons, there's a lot of similarities to Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. That's the only gripe I have. But sure. It, but note how I'm stressing this. It's nothing to make me say this is bad. Right. This is just, I think we're borrowing a little too much from that show. But it's a winning formula, so why not? It's not a rent-free moment like we talk about with AEW and WWE. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of similarities there. But this episode finally felt like maybe we're doing something different. And that's why I think I liked it that much. Because the first ones I thought were underwhelming a little bit. Sure. Just because I've been here before. But I think for where we're going with this show, with only three more episodes left, I think there's a lot of good that we're going to see. And I can't wait to really deep dive into it a little bit more. So that has been our takes on Obi-Wan's episode one, two, and three. But now we want to hear your take, ODPH Society. His up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the series? Let us discuss and let's keep it spoiler free until Friday for wherever you're listening to this June 3rd on social media because we still want to do that 72 hour embargo, which actually more shows are picking up now too. So you're welcome, everybody. It's a great thing to do because we don't want to spoil anything for anybody that hasn't had time to see anything yet. But let us discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and there is more Star Wars to talk about. Yeah, there is. Can you believe it? Uh, yes, I can. And why is that, Pat? Uh, because this past weekend, from Thursday through Sunday, uh, taking place in Anaheim at the convention center out there, uh, was Star Wars Celebration, returning after three years, I want to say. I want to say the last one was in 2019 before uh, Rise of Skywalker came out. I think so. Uh, so, yeah, returning for the first time in three years, so Star Wars Celebration, which is the all-things Star Wars uh, convention. Well, Star Wars and Lucasfilm, they, they talked about a couple other things there that, you know, aren't Star Wars related, but it's, it's the Lucasfilm Star Wars convention, you know, where it brings together the animation, the live action, the filmmakers, the TV folks, the comic 
comics to toy makers you know if it's anything to do with star wars it's there mm. i know and I, yeah a lot of people complain oh there's not a lot of star wars news lately it's been real quiet well yeah because they're loading it all up for this which is holy shit they revealed some stuff well that's the one thing that i think the fan base is definitely getting more excited as you're hearing yeah. kenobi's coming and, uh-huh. you, and there has been talk about other shows and projects and this is one thing that when you see a company or a franchise branch out to do their own conventions mm-hmm. you know whatever love it or hate it like i know netflix geeked week yep. is coming up yep and i know obviously dc fandom is one instead of doing the traditional san diego new york comic cons mm-hmm. i think the fan base just gets so antsy to hear anything right that they think no news is bad news but in all reality, no news is good news yeah. because they like to unleash everything at once. But sometimes it's sensory overload. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so we're going to run through some of the stuff that you know caught my eye and jumped out to me uh, that took place at Star Wars Celebration this past weekend. Obviously, we can't run through everything because, well, we'd be here until the next Star Wars movie comes out. Facts. Uh, so starting off, uh, it was announced over the weekend that we're coming this spring in 2023, we we're going to be getting Volume 2, also or known as Season 2 of the Star Wars Vision series. Now, for those of you who remember, this was the, I forget how many episodes it was, but it was a number of episodes. 11, I think? Something like that. Uh, series that took place place on disney plus where it wasn't canon it wasn't really anything so you didn't need to know anything going into it you could go into it kind of blind but it was done with a number of japanese animation studios that could kind of put their own spin on things mm-hmm. a lot of critical praise i know uh, a couple of the episodes just won some awards over in japan i think they've won some awards over in uh, england as well you know highly uh, highly praised and we've received a lot of good uh, good word uh, words about it so super excited for this. Nothing was given in terms of like what studios or what they're going to be doing with it. Just that, hey, it's uh, Volume 2 is coming in spring 2023. Volume 1 was a definite surprise. Yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. No, but yeah, me too. But it definitely caught the eyes and it gave the franchise a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because it's done in a different style than we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And it still had a lot of the same themes that go into Star Wars brought to it. So it didn't, yeah. didn't tamper anything, didn't do anything super out of the realm of thought. Yeah. And it definitely added something to the fr- the franchise that I think it went over so well that that's why we're trying a season two for it. So yeah. I'm, I'm all here for it. Oh, I am too. Can't wait for that. You know what else I can't wait for? Hmm. The sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Oh my God, this game was... Jedi Fallen Order is one of the best Star Wars games ever. Like period hmm. uh highly re- recommended if you get a chance to play it uh sometimes usually it's on if you got a xbox or playstation it's usually on sale you know if they're doing like a summer sale or a fall sale or one of the big sales usually it's on there you know that's where i picked it up was last summer during the playstation summer sale you know great game been waiting for a sequel because it kind of left it open for a sequel don't want to spoil it too much right uh but that vader scene though yo yeah uh but no during celebration uh ea games and respawn officially unveiled the sequel been rumored for a while but we finally got confirmation uh which the title will be t- uh star wars jedi survivor uh so it did give us an awesome looking trailer it's a teaser trailer though so there's not too much to go on you do see the main character cal castus you know uh going through his, his motions the ship he was on which i forget the name of it you know was crashed 
you know, it's, he's going through some issues and being hunted and pursued as one does. Uh, we did get a little bit of a blurb description uh, to us courtesy of the YouTube video from the official EA Star Wars uh, YouTube page, which reads, Star Wars Jedi Survivor picks up five years after the events of Jedi Fallen Order. Cal must stay one step ahead of the Empire's constant pursuit as he begins to feel the weight of being one of the last remaining Jedi in the galaxy. Accompanied by his trusty companion, BD-1, Cal will meet an ally meet and ally himself with an array of unique and interesting characters on his journey. Jedi Survivor will expand on the series' dynamic combat in new and innovative ways. In order to survive, Cal must learn new skills and grow his connect, grow his connection with the Force, close quote. Uh, so I'm super excited for this. You know, in the trailer, we do see someone in a Bacta tank, you know, and obviously with the title of the game being Jedi Survivor, I'm something tells me that it's somebody from order uh, from the past that survived order 66 mm-hmm. can't imagine it's somebody from like super far in the past. Like, Oh, they've stayed alive by sitting in this for that long. Cause like star Wars, that really hasn't done that. So my guess is it's somebody, a Jedi who has survived order 66 and is sitting in this back to tank. But I am super excited for this. This definitely looks very dope. Uh-huh. I, I'm very surprised at how well this came out. I mean, yeah. just because you think about it, sometimes the video games don't really translate that well. Sure. And that one, geez, man, sure. looked like if I know it fooled some people into thinking it was actually a live-action thing coming. Yeah. Uh, next up was some of the stuff and the highlights from the Star Wars The High Republic panel, uh, because you do have Phase 2 kicking off this year. Uh, this, as I mentioned last week, is the kind of multimedia fa- thing they've been doing between uh, audiobooks, comics, uh, and the novels. Uh, you do have the series coming up, uh, Vision Visionary. Nothing given about that over the weekend, but he did get some uh, details into Phase 2 or what they're now calling it, Quest of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Uh, Phase 2 is going to take place uh, 150 years prior to the events of Phase 1. So one of the points they did say during the panel, if you didn't read anything from Phase 1, you don't need it for Phase 2. You can just go into Phase 2 cold. Go in cold because it's 150 years uh, set before... uh, you know, phase one. So, and then phase one took place 300 years before Phantom Menace. So this is 450 years before Phantom Menace. Spoiler alert. Yoda's probably still going to be there, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, you did get a, uh, we did get some titles and some cover reveals. You've got uh, convergence by uh, Zoraida Cordova, uh, quest of the hidden city by George Mann, cataclysm by Lydia Kang. Uh, you've got a middle grade novel. So like kind of like, a, uh, you know, kind of like a younger uh, novel, uh, quest for planet X by Tessa Gratton. And then you've got the young adult novel path of vengeance by Kevin Scott. You know, I'll be picking that one up uh, on the comic side of things. You did get the first look at it. Upcoming uh, titles. Uh, you've got the dark horse miniseries, uh, the nameless terror, which is uh, being written by George Mann. Uh, and the art is being done by Eduardo Mello and Ornella uh, Savasi. Uh, and then you've got the first issue of the new Mar- new run of Marvel's Star Wars, The High Republic. Of course, Kevin Scott is writing that mm. one. And you've got art by Arino, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize, uh, Anandito. Uh, and then, obviously, George Mann is also contributing on an original audiobook, which is titled oh. titled The Battle of Jeddah. Um, obviously, Jeddah, as you saw in Rogue One, something's going on there. going to be a battle there. That is coming out in January 2023. You know, also there's an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, uh, art book of, you know, because they got, they actually got like an artist that to uh, do some of the artwork and what some of the characters and stuff would look like. Looked awesome. Also, shout out to Daniel Jose Older for his artwork for his upcoming book. God damn. Check his Twitter account. That was absolutely hilarious. But no, I can't wait for the High Republic to come back. It's been some of the best storytelling they've been done, been doing lately. 
Yeah, no, the books have definitely been some very cool about this, mm-hmm. and, and hear about that audiobook. Yeah, like is they don't do that too often. They they, they they do audiobooks for the books themselves, but this is going to be more of an I guess an audio drama. Okay, you know it's, that's so, what I was kind so, of going yeah, with. So yeah, they've got they do audiobooks for all of their books, but this is an audio drama. So whereas with an audiobook, you'll have one person reading the book and then sometimes doing voices for the characters. The thing I love with the Star Wars audiobooks is they do because it's made in-house, they have access and the rights to do the sound effects. So you will hear the music and sound effects from Star Wars, which makes them awesome. But no, this is going to be an audio drama. So it's going to be like a fully voiced cast with like multiple people, with like multiple actors and actresses playing characters and all this other stuff. So it's going to be a high production quality. That's, yeah, I was saying, that one really yeah. caught my attention. Yeah. I was like, I go, I don't remember them. Doing, like, I know about the audio books, but like mm-hmm. I said, in this kind of genre, yeah. I don't think they've ever dabbled this No, way. not really. I mean, I, I think they've, they, Obviously, the ones came out for NPR back in like the 70s and 80s, but that wasn't in-house. That but was, that wasn't in-house. That, that was a separate... That, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an NPR thing. That was something NPR did. But yeah, no, they don't really do it that often. But when they do, it's real good. Uh, got a new show unveiled. Uh, it was announced uh, that there's an upcoming series called Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Oh. Uh, and this is the one... This is the actual show title for the series being worked on by John Watts, of course, the director who worked... Oh, from Spider-Man. Uh-huh. He worked on the Spider-Man Home Trilogy. Uh, so, the, as we mentioned, the title of the show is Skeleton Crew. Uh, it's in pre-production. It's going to start filming soon. They didn't give an exact date when. Uh, but it, we do know that the series is going to focus on four kids from a tiny world who get lost in the galaxy. Uh, and they said it's set to take around set to take place around the same time as the Mandalorian. Also fun fact, it's going to star Jude Law. Oh wow. Uh-huh. So Jude Law is coming to Star Wars. So that should be super interesting. Not sure when we'll get any sort of information on that, but it looks good. Should be good. No, it definitely looks interesting about that from like you're showing me the description here as we're talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean to see Jude Law come there, I mean that's another big name that's coming from Hollywood. And not super shocking I me. Mean, you take a look at like what the Mandalorian's done and to get, you know, a lot of Hollywood's attention mm-hmm. that I think this one will be very interesting. I like Jude Law a lot. I think that he'll bring something to this show, especially. We don't really know too much what's going on here. No, They're not at very, all. Very, very coy about that. I know the description yeah. kind of give a little, but yeah, this one I'm definitely interested to see what's coming. Oh, absolutely. Then we got some Mandalorian news because hey now, hey now, this is one we're all here for. This is one where a lot of people are excited for, myself included. Uh, we did find out that the Mandalorian is going to be coming back for season three in February of 2023, so not that long of a wait. Uh, they did show a. Uh, well, before I get to the sizzle reel they talked about, they showed, uh, we did get confirmation that Katie Sackhoff is going to be uh, reprising her role as Bo-Katan okay. in Season 3. Uh, we also did find out and learn that uh, we will be going to Mandalore. So we will, oh. be, so we will be going to the home of the Mandalorians. <laughs> uh, but they did show some footage. Uh, it was not revealed online, but hey, we've got descriptions. Uh, so some of the footage that was shown was uh, the Mando, a.k.a. Pedro Pascal, and Grogu visiting the armor. Uh, and I'm reading from an article on IGN.com. It says, uh, who, quote, like a judge handing down a harsh sentence makes it crystal clear the Mando has messed up at big time. You have removed your helmet, and worse, you did so of your own free will, the armor says. The footage then cuts to a shot of the ever-adorable Grogu's reaction, the illicitly, illicit hearty reaction from a crowd. Uh, you are no longer a Mandalorian, she says, adding, redemption is no longer possible, close quote. Uh, article goes on to say, we then follow Mando and Grogu as their travels take them to reconnect with their ally, Grief Karga, Carl Weathers. Mm. Uh, as Mando and Grogu approach Grief's compound, a pack of Kowakian monkey lizards, uh, think Salacious Crumb from Return of the Jedi was with Jabba the Hutt, 
uh, is perched in a tree snickering at them. Grief is decked out in a pretty impressive outfit, complete with a red robe. He seems to be doing very well for himself, like he is perhaps in a new high-ranking position of power. Uh, he says hello to Mando, <clears throat> Mando and Grogu. Uh, so then it says, uh, the sizzle reel includes a myriad of number of atmospheric shots of sets in a sequence where Mando and Grogu are being chased in their new N1 ship by several enemy ships. We see Rebel X-Wing pilot Captain Carson Teva, uh, played by Paul Sung... Uh, Lee, and a Rodian meeting with mechanic uh, Paley Motto. So Paley Motto, played by Amy Sedaris, is coming back for season three. Uh, there, are also, there are also quick glimpses of galactic scientist Dr. Pershing, uh, played by Omid Abtahi. Uh, Grief looks like he's, almost, like he's about to get into a quick draw duel with someone. We also see Mando and Grogu floating along in his hover pod. So the hover pod's coming back. Oh, okay. Uh, exploring what appears to be the minds of Mandalore. There are also shots of several different Mandalorians. Uh, so, but hey, it, it looks really good. I'm super excited for it. They've clearly shot a number of season, a uh, number of episodes for season three, so I can't wait. Yeah, give me season three already. Uh-huh. Like, how well that show has gone over. Like, did we oh, ever think it would be this cultural phenomenon that it is? I knew it would be popular, but I didn't know it would be as popular as it is. Yeah. You know. Uh, we also got a teaser trailer, poster, and a release date for when uh, the Andor series is coming out. So this, of course, is the prequel to uh, Rogue One, starring Diego Luna, reprising his role as Cassian Andor. Uh, trailer looks real goddamn good. Trailer looks phenomenal. Uh, series is coming out on August 31st with a two-episode premiere. They also confirmed, which it's been rumored for a while, but it's been official, was officially confirmed during celebration that it will be getting a second season. Uh, super excited for this. And it's and it's going to be answering a lot of questions, I think, especially there's one shot in the trailer, kind of towards the latter third, where you see somebody speaking in the Galactic, formerly Galactic Senate, now Imperial Senate, and I pointed it out to Ken, uh, the, it's the same pods that we saw in the prequel trilogy. Also the ones that, uh, Sidious threw at Yoda. They've clearly fixed them. Uh, but there's noticeably anyone sitting in the pods missing. So either this person's just kind of standing there looking at things or the Senate's in session and nobody's there. So things are not looking good for the Senate these days. Thanks Jar Jar. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I mean, you're not wrong. No, I'm not wrong, obviously, not but. Wrong. I'll tell you another thing I'm not wrong about. I mean, that series, the trailer looked dope. Yeah. Um, they didn't give away a lot. I mean, obviously, being a prequel for Rogue One, mm-hmm. they're not going to tip their hand too much. And obviously, yeah. there is a infinite num- you know, timeline here mm-hmm. before, obviously, it leads right into the events of Rogue One, which yeah. I think is something very cool with that. So two seasons is perfect for this. Yeah. They also talked about the upcoming uh, Ahsoka series, which will be coming out, uh, I think it's like springtime next year. Uh, and we did get, obviously, Rosario Dawson was there to talk about the show. And we did get some uh, d- new details about the show. Uh, obviously, this is taking place in the same time, you know, post-Return of the Jedi. So that same time period as Mandalorian. If you know what happens and happened to Rebels in the end of Rebels, I think you know where this show is probably going. Especially since it was confirmed that uh, you will have uh, Sabine Wren, Chopper, and Hera Syndulla of the uh, aforementioned Star Wars Rebels series be making their live-action debut. Uh, with uh, obviously actresses playing both Sabine Run and Hera, and then Chopper. Well, they've already got a Chopper robot. He's been running around Lucasfilm for the better part of like five years. Yeah, <laughs> he was on stage too. But I'll tell you right now, if you're not familiar with Chopper. Dude's got a mouth on him. Oh yeah. He, he, you don't. You if, if fun fact, if you go and watch Rebels and you just fill in what the beeps and boops are with like swear words, it works perfectly. <laughs> I'm just saying he's got a mouth on him. He's he's a sassy little guy. Uh, but no, it, the the footage from what I 
heard and i did see a photo that got posted looks awesome there was a mural at the end of star wars rebels don't want to spoil it because you should absolutely go watch the series feel like it's going to be integral watching for parts of this ahsoka series coming out but there was a mural at the end of star wars rebels that was shown during the panel for this about a one-to-one copy it looks absolutely incredible i can't wait to see this show no i mean this one i think is probably the most anticipated on my radar Mm -hmm. because it's i mean Rosario Dawson coming here. I yeah. can't wait to see what she's going to do when she gets a full season to work with. Oh, and, yeah. and just you, you factor in everybody they're tying in with this, too. I mean, they're really hyping this up to make a good run with it, and mm-hmm. as they should. Because, I mean, obviously, I think I know some people have been worried about oversaturation. And it's like, sure. I think this will be fine, folks. Sure. I don't think we have to worry about that too much here. And then, as I predicted, hey, I got to say, called it. Uh, we did get a trailer for The Bad Batch Season 2 during their panel, which took place on Sunday. Trailer looks awesome. You know, continuing the story of you got the, the group of clones who's just trying to survive after Order 66 has taken place, hide from the Empire. Uh, the Emperor is in full regalia. And I want to point out, you watch the trailer. That's not a voice actor trying to impersonate Ian McDiarmid. That's Ian McDiarmid doing the doing the. Unreal. That's cool. And that's new lines. That so like it's not like they did in Clone Wars where they lifted audio from Revenge of the Sith to plug it in for Order sixty six. That's new. That's new audio. That's Ian McDiarmid voicing new stuff for this series. So that looks super awesome. Uh, you also at one point in the trailer do see a Wookiee uh, wielding a Jedi. New character to some of you, but if you're a fan of the Clone Wars and you watch the Clone Wars, you know who that is. That is the Jedi, I believe his name is Gungi, who was uh, introduced in one of the earlier seasons of Clone Wars where they basically showed the process or like the right ritual of young Jedi going to get their crystals. Mm-hmm. You know, so he clearly survived Order 66 and is still there. So super excited to see this. The, the didn't give it a release date. They gave a release window, though. Uh, they said it's coming out in fall of 2022. So I'm very excited for this. Yeah, I know, like I was saying, with oversaturation about the mm-hmm. Star Wars franchise, there is a market for this one, too. Like, oh, yeah. I know people, this is another one that I didn't think was going to go this far, but yeah. here we are. So I'm definitely excited to go check this one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one I think a lot of people were, were excited for and, and learn about was the Tales of the Jedi series. Oh, okay. They did specify they, about this. They did talk about this. Uh, so a reading from an article on IGN.com uh, reads, quote, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi is an animated anthology series set at different points during the prequel era. The series will consist of six episodes, half focused on Ahsoka Tano, voiced as usual by Ashley Eckstein, and the other half on Count Dooku Mm. before his descent into the dark side. Dooku's Padawan, Qui-Gon Jinn, will also play a heavy role in the series, and he'll be voiced by both Liam Neeson and Liam Neeson and Liam Neeson's son, Michael, depending on the time period. So if it's if it's Liam, if it's Qui Gon Jinn as you saw him in the movies, yeah, it'll be Liam Neeson. If it's a younger Liam Neeson, because there's going to be some points in this where you see a younger Qui Gon Jinn, it'll be Neeson's son, Michael. That's cool. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the article goes on to say the series will shed light on three distinct points in Ahsoka's career, including her early childhood. Hmm. Uh, Jaina Gavanka, who played Aiden Verso in Star Wars Battlefront Two, will voice Ahsoka's mother in the first episode. Okay. So one of the things with Ahsoka you learn in Clone Wars is she obviously she was taken from her family and her planet as a as a baby, like most Jedi are, that Plo Koon rescued her. We're probably going to actually see that. It was alluded to, and I think we saw even saw a scene of Plo Koon, the Jedi, with the mask on uh, from the prequels, uh, meeting her for the first time. We did see that in Clone Wars, but this looks like it'll be the actual... If actual, not, actual meeting. Actual, actual meeting. Uh, the article goes on to say the second will showcase Ahsoka during the Clone Wars, while the third reveals a battle between an older Ahsoka and an Inquisitor. 
It's unclear whether Tales of the Jedi is a standalone project or if writer Dave Filoni is planning multiple seasons. If the latter, it's possible the series could branch out beyond the confines of the prequels to explore other characters and time periods, perhaps even the heroes and villains of the Tales of the Jedi comics, because that was a, a comics from back in the Dark Horse days. Uh, so okay. should be super excited for this. No real word on when this is coming out, but I am. Listen, you're giving me a soak more Ahsoka content, which I am all fucking here for. And then also you're given some Dooku stuff, which let's face it, there's not a lot of stuff there. Yeah, there's some stories in there. I know there's a, there's a, no, a novel out about you know kind of delves into some of his time as a as a Padawan and some of the stuff like that, but not much. So I'm super excited. No, I mean that's the one thing about doing an anthology series is like you can find a character and really yeah. deep dive into and and really present a, a really interesting story or yeah. look at them. Just depend on like how far you want to go, because I mean, like everybody likes to go for the popular characters, but sure. anthologies are made for the ones that are lesser known. So, sure. and I, I would imagine that's going to come out next year's probably, end. probably by the end. Because I don't, year. I think they're going to space it out from Ahsoka as much as they can. Yeah, because that's smart. That would be a smart play to do. You don't want to go back to back. Yeah, uh, and then lastly, and certainly not least, like I mentioned, it's a lot about Star Wars. Not not everything Star Wars though. They did show a trailer for the upcoming Willow Disney Plus series, which I got to say, I've not seen Willow. Nothing against it. Just it came up before I was born. Want to see it now because the trailer they put out for the show looks amazing. Uh, it's got Warwick Davis returning mm. to reprise the role. Looks absolutely phenomenal. And then also, uh, they did bring out the maestro himself, John Williams, to play a little bit of a concert because, hey, while he was there and playing this concert, it was his 90th birthday that oh, week. Oh, no. Nice. John, John Williams, 90 years young. Uh, he did play a certain march for a certain movie. No, not Star Wars, not the Imperial March, although he did play that. Rise of the Terminators? <laughs> no. He did play uh, the Raiders March. Because, obviously, there is another Indiana Jones movie coming out. Ah. Uh, in which uh, you did have Harrison Ford come out and talk about the movie. And he said they've shot a, bit, a good portion of the movie. Uh, and did say that the uh, film is going to open on June 30th, 2023. Uh, and, obviously, John Williams is returning to uh, score the film again. They did repro- uh, also release a promotional image uh, for the movie. Obviously, it's Harrison Ford in the trademark hat. He's got a... Uh, flashlight in his hand and he's walking across this like wooden bridge it's got ropes holding it up uh not much is given about the movie just a little blurb from the folks over at disney and lucasfilm which says harrison ford returns to the role of the legendary hero archaeologist for the fifth installment of the iconic fran- of the iconic franchise starring along with ford are phoebe waller bridge mads mickelson uh antonio banderas Boyd Holbrook, uh, bah, 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 uh, Sean Renee Wilson, uh, Thomas Kreitschman, and Toby Jones, uh, directed by James Mangold, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, and Simon Emanuel serve as producers with Steven Spielberg as executive producer. I am excited for this, although no word what they're going to do with how the last one ended, given the fact that <laughs> they said Shia LaBeouf's his kid, so I don't know how they're going to address that one, but boy, that'll be interesting. Uh, two quick thoughts on this. Uh, Willow great for its time uh-huh so i think you knowing you i think you'll be very excited about this and from what I, people said about willow it they said it captured kind of the look and feel of the first one okay because it's because it's not a movie it's a series coming to disney plus yeah see i i'm, I'm interested to see how that's all going to play out like willow is yeah for its time was a very fantasy driven movie like it, it's it's right. something that like i say knowing you it appeals to you right i thought it was good like i liked it way back when do i thought like now seeing it like a I don't know I I have like a mixed reaction to it I really do and Indiana Jones man I don't it's kind of like the Fast and Furious for me kind of you know is it all about family maybe (laughs) but 
Like, at what point do you just go, okay, enough is enough? Well, I think they've they've said and they've confirmed that this will be the last one Harrison Ford does because, well, he's getting up there in age. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was surprised to hear that you wanted to come back for this one. But, yeah. you know, for the last movie, too, like you touched on, there's a lot of nonsense with that, too. So it's like, I, to hear the franchise is coming back, uh, I mean, yeah. it's not moving the needle for me. but I'm, ex- I'm excited, but cautiously so. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's fair. Like, you know, honestly, if, if, I would be very cautious about this, too, because it's like, what are you going to do at this stage? Like, mm-hmm. any, anytime you get past three, yeah, you get walking on very, very thin ice about, like, how far you can skate. So. Yeah. Either way, though, a lot of stuff coming out there. So, I yeah. mean, obviously, I think, for me, Ahsoka is the one I got circled. Mm-hmm. I really am excited about Visions coming back. I think it's going to be a very cool series, too. Yeah. Skeleton Crew is the one I think is the biggest X factor for oh, me. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. Scott John Watts, so I'm in. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely in about that. But, I mean, Pat, give us your final thoughts, man. No, super excited for Ahsoka just because it's going to tie in with some of the Rebel stuff I've been wondering and having some questions about since Rebels ended. So that's probably the one I'm looking most forward to. But then also the High Republic stuff. The High Republic stuff has just been some of the best storytelling that they've been doing in Star Wars and just so it's such a different look and feel from what you've seen with the prequels or the sequels or the original trilogy, but it still has that same feel, you know? So I'm super excited for that stuff. Yeah. And I believe they announced that celebration will be in London next year. Uh, no, I think it's in Germany. It's, it's some, no, no, they, no, they didn't specify. They just said Europe. It's, okay. It's celebration Europe. All right. I want to say, I think London, but still either way, seeing celebration come back is a big thing. Obviously, it is that Hall H moment that we know as Marvel fans and San Diego Comic-Con fans is mm-hmm. like the mic drop moments. So obviously seeing Celebration return is a huge thing. No, yeah, you're right, London. Because okay. all I saw was that I didn't see the specificities of where it just I just saw the... the well, because the promo art says Europe. Europe 2023, but yeah, specifically it's in London, which makes sense since they've got a studio over there they film at. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense to, to go there, but it, overall, seeing it come back is a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously... Getting the fandoms back, getting the fans back, and having those live reactions. Like, that's something that virtual cons are cool and all. Oh, yeah. But still, there's nothing like sitting in a room with fellow fans and embracing the fandom when something really amazing is coming on screen or you hear it coming out. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that touches upon it. And even for the Star Wars fan base, like we say, we worry about oversaturation with it because they got so much coming out. Yeah. To hear that excitement really kind of gives you a good, easy peace of mind. So definitely a lot of stuff to keep our eyes out for. Mm-hmm. So we gave you our takes, ODPH Society. Now heads up on yours. Hashtag ODPH Pod. What is your thoughts of the news coming out of Star Wars Celebration? What are you excited most to see? What really caught your eye? What is something that it was new that Pat was talking about that definitely you're like, hey, I need to hear more about? Hit us up. Let us know. We'll discuss. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsdemand.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and finally, the the time schedule about this show drives me nuts. That's uh-huh. the only complaint I really got. Yeah. Because when they get rolling, they get rolling. And then when we stop, it's like we got to start up again. Yeah. 
Much like AEW Double or Nothing. In a different <laughs> sense, though, because what we're talking about this episode is the return of Superman and Lois to the CW. Uh-huh. The bright, shining future of the DC on the CW. Because yep. let me tell you this. I'm going to save you a click. Mm-hmm. Gotham Knights. Hey. Uh, first impressions are not good in no. our opinions no. about this. No, uh, we were hit up and asked about discussing that, and I'm just saying this: hey. if you're gonna watch anything right now, watch Superman and Lois because that show hey. definitely gave a vibe hey. that I am not. Uh, hey. I'm I'm not good with. So, like I say, to wash the palette out, we gotta talk about the latest in the CW's best show, and that is Superman and Lois. Obviously, Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch came back as the title couple. And man, oh man, the season has been a wild ride to say the least. For sure. Going in a lot of different directions. I mean, the only things as we do whenever we talk about a show, we go spoiler free first and then we give you the countdown to go deep diving. So this is a safe area right now if you haven't seen the episode. But one thing they've done this season is they've really been dancing around a lot with the uh, other verse, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how that's coming across, and I know that gets to be very confusing, but I do applaud them for at least trying to do something different here. And obviously, bringing in Bizarro Mm -hmm. was a very big swerve on everybody because even the writers were given the uh, false narrative that it was going to be Doomsday this season. Mm -hmm. But the show has definitely gone into a very different direction this year, and I'm not mad about it. Obviously, it's been renewed for season three. But... To see where they're going on this current journey, it's been something. So, Pad, why don't you give us your spoiler-free take, and then let's go talk. Uh, great episode overall. Uh, I thought it was a nice comeback, you know, unlike the last comeback where they had had, where it was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, but no, episode was fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah, this episode definitely delivered on a good sense going into the uh, final stretch of Season 2 because it mm-hmm. was announced that there's only three episodes left before Season 2 is a wrap. Yep. But definitely came back in a very strong place. So it's definitely worth the watch if you haven't caught up to it yet. But if you have, let's talk some spoilers, shall we? In three, two, one. All right, Pad. What you think? Thought it was a really great episode. Thought the stuff in the storyline with Lana was really good. Interested to see where that goes and how much far. Because I think that's not. Because I think that obviously the relationship between the families broke down a little bit. A little bit. I don't think that's done breaking down. I think it's going to get even more awkward. Well, where we jumped in is last episode. Clark revealed to Lana that he's Superman. Full blown. Yeah. Yep. Flying in the air, froze a tree. Yeah. Because obviously everything that's been going on. In Smallville, since the Kents have reemerged, has been nothing but a roller coaster of world-threatening events uh-huh. that keep getting worse. And One with, after another after another. And with Allie, the cult leader, coming in and trying to take over the inverse. I forgot it's not the outerverse, but right. bizarre world. Let's just call it that what it is. And our world, it's been getting nothing but messy because the one thing that I will say is a drawback as a viewer is we start having the multiple copies of everybody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're not presented in a sense that you can separate who's who. Because, like, obviously they did Superboy Prime and, and uh, Jonathan. Yep. So, like, that one was a little easier to figure out. But when they started dealing with Tal Rowe, that got to be a little confusing about who's who. Yeah, well, but. So I thought that was a slight drawback to this episode. But for where we jump in, I thought they nailed a couple things really, like, 
bullseyes. Sure. couple I thought they misfired on um, in the sense of I think they were trying to get a big emotional reaction out of this, and it just didn't come across that way. Because, like, where they jump in is Lana, you know, swears she's going to keep Clark's, you know, secret identity safe. And obviously you can't get more of a trusting person about this. But I thought when they tried bringing up the drama with her and Lois, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, Pat, but how did you feel that came across? Uh, felt awkward. You know, definitely had a little bit of tension in the air that you could cut with a knife. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, Emmanuel Kirky, who played Lana Lang, uh, Cushing had definitely a very strong episode this yeah, week. Phenomenal. But balancing like her anger towards Lois, I thought was like maybe a slight stretch. I don't yeah. know. Like because of where she's yelling that, you know, our whole friendship is based on a lie. Like she mm-hmm. kept going back to that argument mm-hmm. to kick off. And it's like, is it really though? Because yeah. you have to understand. Not everybody, even though how people in the DC universe, and I don't care if it's comic or movie or TV form, can't figure out Clark Kent is Superman because of the power of glasses. <laughs> I've never been able to understand yeah. this fact. I just chalk it up to reasons. But yet here we are. And then you see Lana is like furious at Lois because, mm-hmm. well, it's like... How could you not tell me? How could you not tell me? Well... Hi. To be fair, Clark's known you for a lot longer, and he never told you. So yeah. if there's anyone you should be mad at, it's him. Yeah. So like, why are you? But, gonna... of, co- but of course, you're you're fine with that because oh, I understand why he didn't tell me. So what's the difference? Yeah. Like I thought that was the only misfire with her this week. Like yeah. I thought that was just like oh, yeah. we're, you're you're really trying to play like the upset friend that should have known, but it's not coming across that way. It's coming to like. W- like pay attention to me moment. Yeah. And it's just like, this is not really clicking. And I know they kind of tried spinning it a little bit that she was thinking that her estranged husband was finding somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I, I don't really see that being the stretch here because obviously there's been a lot of drama with her husband on the show, Kyle. Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. And obviously during the whole election campaign thing, like, which was actually a very good storyline. I got to say that I just go, Okay. If you're going to try spinning your anger about that onto here, I don't. It just kind of seemed like it wasn't there because I thought the strongest points is like when she's really kind of getting down to business, and then like the end scene I think picked up a lot for her when mm-hmm. we get there. But obviously, seeing what's going on in the side story with Eric Valdez playing Kyle, and obviously their daughter and where she's you know resting her loyalties to during this whole thing, I thought has been a good storyline. But I thought they were really trying to force a lot too much. But once we got down to the action of the show, I thought things really did kind of pick up. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing is General Sam Lane is now back. And John Henry Irons is helping them. And basically they said, okay, how do we stop Allie? Because this needs to stop, like this whole back and forth thing. And it comes down to we have to destroy the portal. Yep. Which makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But Clark is... You know, not exactly hearing this nonsense. In fact, I thought he brought up a great line during this. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know, anytime you two come up with a plan, it's usually kill Superman. Yeah. And how does that work out? Not well. No. And I I thought that was a great play on the writers, too. Pretty much. Because he was saying that. And then he was just basically saying, like, he there had to be a different way than destroying Alley in the pendant. Mm -hmm. Which I don't really think they were even alluding to destroying Alley. I think it was just... We have to get the pendants at, at all costs. Like, yeah, no, they. I don't think I ever mentioned like dealing with Allie. That's just like it was just kind of like focusing on the pendants. Yeah, but I thought that it's just like okay, well, here's the plan. 
And then ultimately it comes back to getting Tal Rowe back in the equation. Clark's estranged half-brother. Uh-huh. Which I have to say, with this show, they've really done a great job about adding that character into the mythos. To my knowledge, it's still not in the comics. No, I don't think so. But I think that I think they should definitely think about doing that route. Adam Rayner, who's been playing Tal Rowe, did an excellent job with this episode, too. As you see that Clark is going to visit him in the DEO prison and saying, okay, we need to work together, and we have to stop Allie. And Tal is just sitting there like, well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. You're going to give me a library card so I can read more books here? <laughs> Which I was like, God, man, that's such a good line. Yeah. And Clark is just like, no. He's like, what do you want? And he goes, I want my brother back. Yeah. And he's playing this con game, and that's the only way you can describe it, too, to get out. And he's saying, like, look, I know I made mistakes. I want to make amends. I want to do right. He's had some time to uh, think about what to say. Yeah. So Clark winds up sneaking him out of the DEO prison. Because that's going to go over well. Yeah, which then again, I go, like, how are you doing this at Free Will? Like, I just... Because obviously, I think, like, him escaping as much as they do would draw Mm -hmm. more attention. But it seems very subtle. But then they wind up going back to Smallville. Yep. And... I can't stop laughing because after Lois comes in from this huge argument with Lana, she goes walking in the house, and who's sitting there with flowers? Tal. Ro. Yes, who's like, hey. Hey, what's up? What's up there, sis? <laughs> and she is just like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And Clark's like trying to explain, um, I need his help, and he really wants to make amends and, and really do good things. And, and yeah, like, I hope you're not mad. It's but... like Nightwing bringing Joker to, di- to dinner at the Wayne Manor. Yeah, like, it's it's crazy about this. But it's a fun sequence to see how they play off because we do get that standoff. And there's some great action sequences, too, because when Ali shows up, she almost kills Superman. Yeah, she starts siphoning the powers off him. Right, and then John Henry Irons comes in swinging. Wally Parks comes in this episode and in full armor suit, too, just runs in. Yo, he's upgraded that suit. God damn. Yeah. Holy like, shit. That's getting more like the comic than it started out as, and I'm all here for it. And he whips uh-huh. that hammer God damn. at Allie and knocks her completely out from killing Superman. Like, she goes flying. Even though he does wind up getting overtaken at the end. But at this point, Superman's got the pendant. And winds up going into the mine with Tal Rowe. Yep. And then they wind up using their heat vision to make it explode. Just the only thing there, though, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like some lava or kind of heat there as well? Yes, yes, the yes. Why didn't they just throw it in there? Might not have destroyed it. No. Okay, then I'll be able to make more sense of that. But they do wind up destroying the pendant. However, though, during this melee, she takes whatever's left of the pendant and runs. Yep. Tao disappears, too. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going on here? Nothing good. I'm thinking one of two things. I'm thinking, one, he wants to play hero and go after her. Maybe. Or two, he's trying to cut a deal to get that power himself. That seems more likely. Yeah, which I sit there, I'm like, okay, we're telegraphing this just a hair. I'm not mad about it, though, because it does make sense for the storyline. Because him just saying, hey, everything's great, everything's back together, I'm, you know, we're all good, but no worries, no worries at all. 
makes a lot more sense. Meanwhile, on the flip side, the kids had a very interesting storyline going on with them. Mm-hmm. And one, I will tell you this. I was happy to see Natalie Irons finally get some real screen time here and really yeah. go somewhere with the storyline. Taylor yeah. Buck, who plays her, I thought does an amazing job. And what does she wind up doing, Pat, this episode? She makes a suit. Oh, yeah, like kind of like a mini one. Yes. Not full-fledged. Uh, not full-fledged, but who does she make it for? Uh, one of the kids, right? Jonathan. Yeah. Jordan LSS is finally going to get a suit on this show. About time. Because she's sitting there, and she's like the smartest one of like everybody here in Smallville. Pretty much, Because yeah. she's like, yeah, you need protection. I'm going to make you a suit. I upgraded my dad's. I can make one for you. That's not nothing to worry about. And basically gives Jordan or uh, Jonathan his suit. And Jordan's just sitting there kind of watching like, you know what? This works. I'm all right with this. But we need to go back to the mine because we are missing one ingredient. And what is that ingredient? X-Kryptonite. Yes, because this can't fail. This is going to be absolutely brilliant, right? So they go in the mines, and they're trying to obviously gather some crystals to make some power for it. But you're in a cave where you're using Jordan's heat vision. Alex mm-hmm. Garrett from the Blazer Room. You're using his heat vision to start cutting this mine loose. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you start shattering the foundation? Uh, it's going to come down on you. Exactly. So they have to make a daring escape out of there with whatever they have and leaving all this extra kryptonite just sitting in there. It's an interesting story where they're going with this, but I'm, I was very happy to see Natalie on screen and get some major time because I think she can be a major character on the show. So I'm definitely excited to see where her storyline's heading here. Ultimately, though... This show ends with Lois and Lana meeting up again. And Lois trying to make amends by saying, Hey, just so you don't feel so bad, Clark's not the only one with superpowers. Yeah, let's, talk, let's sit down and talk about Jordan. Yeah. And Lana, and this is why I said she had a great episode, is sitting there and goes, No. I'm not telling anybody about this. It's really your deal, mm-hmm. to paraphrase. Yeah. And for the safety of everybody involved, I'm not saying a thing because I'm not telling. So you can't shirk responsibility on this one. Yeah. Like, no, you're like, listen, I understand you feel guilt ridden because you didn't tell me. I don't care. I will get over this in time. This is a shock. I need time to process this. Give it to me. We need to not see each other. Yeah. So, like, you keep your space. I keep my space. We keep it moving. But I'm not going to sit there and tell my family, especially my young teenage daughter, that, oh, yeah, your ex-boyfriend is actually mm-hmm. a Superman. Because, yeah, that will go over so, so well. Oh, yeah. So, and now, obviously, hearing about that there's a doppelganger of Lana running around that has powers. Uh, yeah, she's just like, okay, I'm out. You guys just fix this yourself. Mm-hmm. And then we end with a trip back to the... Uh, Bizarro world. Oh, yeah. Which I thought this was confusing at first because of who's in the jail. Now, am I the only one that thought this or no? No. Okay. Because where we see is Allie is now crossed back over again because yep. even though without the pendant or she has like the fragments left of it, she she's still crossed over. Still enough power. Yeah. Right. She goes over to the Tau Road that's in their jail. Now, as far as we know, that that is the Bizarro Talro, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. 
Okay, because this is where I thought it got confusing. Because I was like, if Talro went after her, well, she captured him. No, no, it's not. It's not. Earth, it's not Earth Prime Talro. It's the other one. Yeah. Okay. Because that was because they they both had like the same garb on. So that's what was throwing me off. Well, no, his his was a backwards ass, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I couldn't really tell with the cameras. Yeah. But hey, that's just me. And then during this, Allie decides to drain his life force. Yep. So he's dead, dead. Like there's no uh-huh. question about this. Like he is a skeleton. Yep. And that's how this, the show ends. So, good episode. Step in the right direction. I love the fact that they were really kind of breaking down about what's going on with Tal Rowe. I think he's a great actor to kind of play off Clark a little bit. Pat, what was your final thoughts on this episode? I thought it was a good episode. Excited to see where they go from here. You know, interested to see some of the final battles because we've only got three episodes left. So, got to start wrapping up some storylines here. I agree, too. I think they really got to get cranking on wherever they're going. I mean, obviously, we're expecting to be done, I believe, by the end of June. Something like that, yeah. So, and then not sure when season three is coming back, but obviously it has been renewed, so we definitely know that's there. So it gives us some hope for the CW universe. So that being said, ODPH Society, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What's your thoughts about the latest episode of Superman and Lois entitled Lies That Bind? Let's talk about this, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got two things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is something I knew was coming, but I didn't expect to get the trailer quite yet for it. But I'm still excited to get the trailer for it. Uh, that is the upcoming uh, the trailer for the upcoming Disney film Pinocchio. Now, this is nothing to do with the Guillermo del Toro one. That's a whole separate one. This one is from Disney. It is from the legendary director Robert Zemeckis, uh, and it is featuring Tom Hanks as Geppetto, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the voice of Jiminy Cricket. Uh, you've got Luke Evans also in the movie, uh, Cynthia Ervio as the Blue Fairy, uh, Keegan-Michael Key doing the voice of Honest John. Uh, Lewin Lloyd playing Lampwick. Uh, and then also you've got uh, Giuseppe Bastian playing Stromboli. Uh, and then you've got Benjamin Evan Ainsworth uh, voicing the title character Pinocchio. Okay. This looks really good. You know, they, they hit you right in the feels with the, you know, when you wish upon a star kicking in. Mm-hmm. Movie looks really good. I'm, I'm excited to see this, you know, all, and I'm excited to see a new generation of kids get absolutely fucked up by the scene of the kids turning into donkeys. Because that yeah. that scene is terrifying, even to these even to this day. Yeah, for being live action, I mean, this does look good. Yeah, like I said, I'm usually not a big person about Disney live action, yeah. especially like a classic like this. But CGI looked good. Uh, it definitely is going to be having my attention. I'll probably yeah. want, I actually will probably wind up watching this. Yeah, like I say, Tom Hanks is always cash. Yeah, and then uh, the movie does come out on Disney Plus on September the eighth. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, there is, of course, as most people know, a Super Nintendo Land or Super Nintendo World, excuse me, coming to Universal Studios in Hollywood. Uh, looks like we got a release date for it. It's coming early 2023. We also got an early look at one of the upcoming rides for the uh, park uh, titled Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge. And it is absolutely as zany and incredible as you would think. Uh, if you're familiar with anything of Mario Kart, it is a Mario Kart ride where it looks like you'll be driving through a course. Looks like you got uh, augmented reality glasses or something on and there's a screen in front of you as you drive through on, on what looks like 
a Mario Kart if you've ever pl- a Mario Kart track if you've ever played the game. Yeah, it looks insane. It looks awesome, and I am here for it. I'm definitely down for this. Oh this my looks God. freaking in- incredible! It looks awesome. Can't wait for that park to open. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be insane. I can't wait. Yes, give it to me and give it to me now. Yep. Uh, so this weekend, make sure you swing on over to Amazon Prime. Yeah. Prime Video, because one of our favorite shows is back, mm-hmm. and that is The Boys. Oh, boy. So, obviously, the hit comic adaptation from the legendary Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson run returns to Prime Video with the first three episodes dropping for season three, June 3rd. So, obviously, if you know our show very well, you know we are huge fans of this. Yes. The show is incredible. Uh, definitely not your typical look at superheroes by any which way, shape, and or form. Hell no. No, but it's definitely a, a fantastic show from start to finish. So you definitely want to make sure you check it out. Carl Urban is back playing Butcher, the head of the group sworn to take down the seven, the... Uh, Legendary heroes, mm-hmm. uh, sponsored by Vought Industries, yeah, huh? that uh, the, basically the inverse version of the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. No, there's there's very strong comparisons from the original seven lineup of the Justice League with this. Uh, so obviously, Jack Quaid is back as Huey. Uh, Les Alonzo is back as Mother's Milk. Tomar Capone is back as Frenchie, and Karen Fukuhara is back as Chemo. They are the forces trying to keep us safe from the one and only. Give him the Emmys already for season two because he is. Absolutely brilliant. Anthony okay. Starr as Homelander, who does a phenomenal job being the worst of the worst of superheroes. And the inspiration for Cody Rhodes. Yes, indeed. Um, and Aaron Moriarty against uh, as Starlight, too. A standout member of the Seven who is really the only one you want to cheer for. because She's the only one with morals. Yes. Out of this entire show. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can take a look at seasons one and two. You definitely want to make sure yeah. you, uh, you can go back and watch that. And definitely go back and watch seasons one and two because they're absolutely phenomenal. Season three, like we say, is coming out. The first three episodes drop Friday. We'll have a lot to say about that this weekend. Definitely on social media. So yeah. you, you want to make sure you're following you know, Parlay Points and the ODPH social media accounts because we'll be talking about this series without question mm-hmm. uh and then going into the comic reviews for the week it's it was kind of a quieter week with memorial day going on and on behalf of the whole odph uh podcast team we obviously want to say we honor remember the the military who have fallen and given their ultimate price to you know sacrifice for freedom so obviously memorial day that's what we always remember it for so there was some books that did come out this week, though. We definitely want to make sure that you definitely go check out at the comic shops. And the first one I had on tap, Once in Future 26 by Boom Studios. Obviously, Karen Gillen and uh, Dan Mora are just doing such fantastic work on this book. Like I said, Karen Gillen is writing some of the most imaginative stories that you're going to find at the shop. And Dan Moore legit might be one of the best artists in comics. Like he today, mm. he needs to be up in that conversation. Like the work he's doing is just absolutely incredible. And like I say, Once in Future Twenty Six does not let up by any stretch of the imagination. If you've been following this wild story, and you should, you definitely want to make sure you go pick it up. Also, on Comicsology Originals, you know I preach this line all the time because they do fantastic work. And I tell you what, if you're a comic fan, you definitely want to go get the membership for the Unlimited Plan. It's well worth it because then you get to read books like this, and that is clear 
number six by Scott Snyder and Francis Manipal. So this story might be my favorite one that Scott has done on this line pad. And and considering he's done We Have Demons and Night yeah. of the Ghoul, yeah. that is saying something. Uh, they put a fantastic finish on one of the most interesting stories dealing with future and technology that you'll ever read. The artwork is amazing. The conclusion definitely will have you doing a couple rereads just to process everything going on here. It's definitely my highest recommendation for this week. It is some phenomenal work, so you definitely want to make sure you head on over to Comixology and go check it out. But at the comic shops, too, this week, we have Demons number 3 is out via print. So that's Scott and Greg Capullo's book that's on Comixology. There it is now out via print via Dark Horse Comics. So you definitely want to go check that out. Uh, from DC Comics, though, kind of an interesting week because they have uh, Road to Dark Crisis number 1 comes out. So this is obviously going to be their big event going into the summer. So you want to keep an eye out for that. And Shadow War Omega 2. Uh, obviously, if it's got Batman and it's got Deathstroke in it, you know I'm paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Enough said there. And on the Marvel side of things, eh, it's Marvel, so it, it's kind of gearing up for like a little quieter week with everything going on. Because next week, obviously, we have a book to talk about that has a big dinosaur on the front. Oh, yeah. And that's called Savage Avengers number two. But that's next week. It's not this week, though. Because this week, I would say Strange number 3 definitely was the book that I had my eye on, too. I haven't got a chance to go pick that up. But all my comic friends are talking about it. So I go off recommendations like Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics. If he's talking about it, I go chance to go pick it up, amongst others. So definitely, and uh, our guy JT from East Coast Avengers, who, by the way, early congratulations on the wedding this weekend, my friend. Yeah, congrats. So definitely shout them out on uh, social media. And wherever you are in the world, if you can, get to your local comic shops. Go support them. We always scream, go support your LCS wherever you are. And go support independent podcasts, too, because we're putting in a lot of work as well, covering the news that you definitely want to talk about. (sighs) So that all being said, Pat, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH, is that a shout at the robots? They're big comic fans. Mm Mm-hmm. They got a lot of stuff in the works. Where do I go to find out about them, Pat? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on the music section. You check out everything going on, shout. Everything going on, Brian Wolf who's got a big show this week in the Austin, Texas area. Just saying, if you like good music, you probably want to go see him. And I know we have a lot of Texas listeners, so make plans now. Uh, you also want to go check out everything going on with Floodlands, Yard Party, Second Suitor, who just announced their Suitor Slam 2 show coming up in September? Something like that, yeah. News is breaking about that, but you know they're very interactive on the socials, so you definitely want to go find out about them. All the amazing groups that give us their music each and every week on the ODPH. Tom Jolie, Yard Party. I mean, the list goes on and on. So that's why you click on the link and you go find your new favorite bands. Trust me. It happens. So you also want to check out Parley Points. Like we said, new blogs are dropping each and every day. It feels like anymore, but we got a lot of good stuff on there, too. So if you're into pro wrestling, we got some stuff there. Coach Duffy has a sports blog this week. Hey. Dre Driven's got his Obi-Wan reactions, too. There's a lot of things going on in the Parley Points. You definitely want to subscribe to the RSS as the... Uh, cool kids say so definitely it, it all helps you then you don't miss any minute of the content boom it's that easy you can also check out the classifieds which has friends of the show organizational link support and black lives matter all the amazing pod groups we're in via their pod chaser pages so shout out the apocalypse shout out to the inner circle and shout out to 607 podcast and 8122 productions the directory which pat how many providers are we on uh 62,221 yeah i think about sounds right we're on a lot, and if we're not on your favorite provider, let us know, and we'll try making that happen for you. The T Public Store, all of that and so much more can all be found at odphpodcast.com. And remember, drop those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast platforms, too, because it does help the show. Definitely got to start plugging that a little more, too. we got a bunch in this weekend, so thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. 
And that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We will see you next time. Yeah.